Blog Talk Radio. We all have inner work to do. Real life, real faith is an opportunity to connect with Cheryl and her guests as they take you on a journey to help you become your authentic self. Whether you need help goal setting, developing coping skills, or connecting with a power greater than yourself, Cheryl is here to walk with you on your path to personal transformation. Get inspired as Cheryl lets you become an active participant or just sit back and glean from the messages delivered. It's Real Life, Real Faith with Cheryl Lacey Donovan. Hey, everybody, it's your girl Cheryl Lacey Donovan, and I am so glad that you decided to join us here on this evening. We definitely have two narrative changers that are going to be a part of our broadcast on today. And we know we always talk about um, changing the narrative, doing something different, being the change that we want to see. And these two people are living it out each and every day of their lives. Um, The first one is a very good sister in the spirit of mine, Pastor Rhonda Bolden. And then later we'll be speaking with Reverend Jeff Grant. Um, I guess you know, right now we're looking at some of the different things that are going on in our society, and we are at a place where changing the narrative is imperative because going the way that we're going right now, there's no telling where our country will end up in the future. So talking to people like Pastor Rhonda and Reverend Grant and hearing about all the wonderful things that they're doing in their communities in order to transform people's lives is uh, definitely a breath of fresh air, especially when you see all of the other horrible things that are going on in the world today. So uh, without any further ado, Pastor Rhonda and I have a lot of things in common. We are both PKs or preacher kids. We're both pastors. We both have written books. We're both about elevating our sisters and and helping people to do better in their lives. And, you know, I've, I've known Pastor Rhonda for a long time now, and she's always talked about soaring and, and being an eagle instead of living among the chickens and helping to push people into their purpose and, and into their passion. So I am... I am thrilled to have her here with me on tonight. She is the wife of Bishop Willie Bolden and the daughter of the late Bishop Jesse and Ani Grace White. She was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, but now resides in Tampa, Florida with her husband. She served in the work of the Lord for over 30 years in various capacities, including at her father's church as a vocal trainer and director. By the grace of God, she's traveled many places as a change agent, preaching and teaching the word of God. She's been blessed by God to publish several books, in which four of those books and CDs, and I think I remember this, Pastor Ron, they were released on the same day. She's also hosted TV and radio shows, including on the TCT Live Network, reaching over 100 million people worldwide. Pastor Rhonda Bolden, it is a pleasure, my sister, to have you here on the broadcast today. Can you hear me? Thank you, Rich Queen, for having me. How I can have hear you, you been? now, Queen? Oh, I've been yes, great. I've been great. Awesome, awesome. Well, I just give God praise, and I, I just want to thank you for this great honor and blessing to be a part of your show. Thank you for thinking of the God in me. I appreciate you. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I was saying earlier, I know that we have known each other for a very long time, have worked on several projects together, and, you know, you you are phenomenal. Matter of fact, I think that some of the push that I got is just seeing all of the great things that you tend to do for other people as well because you do believe in uplifting one another. And, you know, I know that in the body of Christ, especially among women, sometimes it's very difficult to find where, you know, other women want to push each other into their greatness. Yes, absolutely. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can. Wonderful. Yes, it is a blessing to be able to have a, a group of women that can come together and know that we're kingdom components and not competitors. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> but yeah, as, yeah. As, being, as being components, that means that we're parts that work together to make things work as the screw and the hinge in the frame of the door. If the screw fights against the hinge, the door is going to come off the frame. (laughs) We just Mm -hmm. give give God praise for that. So thank you so much for that. We have been knowing each other for a very long time. And, uh, in fact, what is so amazing, did we ever get to meet in person one time, or has that not happened yet, Cheryl? You, I don't think so, Rhonda. Well, now that I'm thinking back, I don't think so. I think every interaction we've had has been a virtual one, either by phone or, or over the computer or a webinar or something like that. Yes, it's been amazing. And just to, to have the sisterhood, it is amazing. The same as my sister evangelist, uh, Cece Caldwell-Miller, a wonderful woman of God. I love her like a blood sister, and we've never laid eyes on each other. So hopefully this fall we'll get to see each other. But, yeah, so thank you for having me here. And also thank you for uh, featuring me on the cover of this awesome magazine, Women Walking by Faith. I tell you, it was truly an honor and a dream come true for many years for me. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Now, listen, tell everybody um, a little bit about your leadership activities, because I know that that is one of your primary projects, is to help people become the type of leaders that they should be. So what does that look like? Well, it's looking great. My husband, uh, just I want to give honor to God for this opportunity, but also my husband, Apostle and Archbishop Willie Bolden, who's been in ministry over 40 years. I give God praise for Baby Bishop, as I call him on Facebook, uh, for just being a part of, of my life and allowing me the, the longitude and latitude and the autonomy to be able to do what God has gifted me to do. And I've always loved to catapult and not insult people's lives and to take them higher as a spaceship does. But the leadership, he and I both got certified as leadership coaches um, by our personal coach, which I believe every person, even leaders, need a coach. Um, we we uh, know that even children in, in kid football, Metro football, when they're little tots, they have a coach. And so just in our lives, we do need a coach. So we are leadership coaches. And what we do, Cheryl, uh, is a combination. We do individual leadership coaching with people who are leaders. Uh, I know that leaders are readers, and we're always encouraging people to be readers of information to take them higher and elevate them to another dimension to take whoever is in their environment or their space or who God has assigned to their destiny or you to their destiny, you're taking people higher, and a leader must be a reader. So we're encouraging Mm -hmm. people to read my husband's book, King to King, 
very powerful book that is just uh, taking the world by storm. And I also have some new books coming out, Would You Marry You, and another book on uh, um, uh, helping individuals to be better um, uh, lined up with their finances and their lives and, and, and creating avenues of revenue and go from income to wealth come. So we're trying to help them in every way we can in the spiritual, the emotional, mental, relational, uh, financial, social part of their lives that they will be a powerful being to represent the kingdom of God well, Cheryl. Because, you know, the, the word says that the kingdom of darkness were more king than the children of the light. And you know that's not good, Cheryl. <laughs> so, yeah, no, so no, it it's not. Very, it's not. So we have to help elevate the consciousness of our people and the heart and the fruit of the spirit operating in their lives. Not only do they have great intellect and that they have the degrees, but they have the character to match in the spirit of God to help them to treat people properly, do business well, and to, and to take the meaning of the land. So the leadership coaching we do personally helps people in those areas, pastors, ministers, as well as individuals, uh, everyday people. We also go into churches, uh, Cheryl, in our leadership coaching and help the church to become a healthy church from the inside out, to help them grow from the inside out, not the outside in. So when the people start coming, they can keep the people and not have the people be hurt and leave. So we will go into a church and evaluate what a past and help them to see where they are and then what the goal is and their mission of where they're trying to go. And then we give a plan of how to accomplish it and meet with their leaders, then eventually with the whole congregation. We do individual leadership coaching, and we also do um, the, the full ch- uh, business or church coaching, leadership coaching. So, so, Rhonda, what made you want to start working in these, in these particular areas? Because, like I said, I've seen you, one, one thing that is definitely true of you, your message, and, you know, now we all call it a brand, but your message, your brand, your story has always been the same. What is it that caused you to move into this particular area, especially uh, as, it, as it relates to women? Well, uh, boy, women has always been, I believe God put that in my spirit, is to always um, have a call to the women to help be a spiritual midwife to them. Uh, I will tell you, I had a dream, Cheryl, and, and it's been years with the women, but I'll tell you what really changed the deciding factor was uh, several years ago I had a dream three times, three days in a row, where women were crying out in their sleep, help me, help me, and they were bent over uh, kind of like the double-bent woman in Luke 13 uh, that had been double-bent for 18 long years and no one saw her, but the word says one Sabbath day Jesus saw a woman, and unfortunately, they didn't even give her a name. But I had this dream, and these women were like this double-bent woman, and they were dragging their feet. And the third day I had the dream, show. I woke up and said, okay, Daddy God, you've got to tell me what the heck this is all about. Because these women, I can't get any sleep. I said, I can't get any sleep. And so after the third night, the Spirit of the Lord told me to sit down inside the bed, and he said, and God said, I have need of you. 
And I said, well, Lord, what are you saying? He said, I want you to put everything in storage in Atlanta, and I want you to go to Fort Wayne, back to your hometown, and I want you to help catapult women and to be a spiritual midwife to help them birth out the ministry that God, that I have planted in them because those women were crying out because they're dying inside. Their current pastors that they're under the leadership is not allowing their gifts to flow and not helping to, to nurture uh, those gifts and to give them opportunity to preach my word. So I need you to go back and I need you to give them opportunity and to help them birth out those spiritual babies. I said, me? He says, yes, you. Cheryl, I put everything in storage. And I mean, my, t- my full testimony of that will blow your mind. I remember in this walk of faith, because I am a powerful woman of faith, not in arrogance I say that, but I've been told that by many women. Even my own blood sister said, girl, you got the faith that our daddy had. You just believe when it doesn't even look anything like what you're saying. And so I remember when God told me to go back home, I was speaking at a mother-daughter luncheon, and I knew that they were going to bless me with $500. But in my pocket, I had $20 to my name at that time, the day before I was supposed to go to Fort Wayne. And the Holy Ghost told me I was going to go get copies ran, Cheryl, at uh, Office Depot to take with me to speak in LaGrange, Georgia that night. Well, the Lord said to me, don't go to Office Depot. He said, I want you to go to the place right next door, the P.O. Box, and get your copies. I said, God, that man charges about three times the cost. And I'm sharing this little testimony because it's about faith, Cheryl. And I said, Lord, that, mm-hmm. that man next door, the P.O. Box, charged about three times the cost of the copies I needed for that event. He said, still, do not go to Office Depot. I walk in the place. I give the man my order. He tells me he's doing the order, and a gentleman walks in. He said, boy, that's a bad suit you got on. I said, well, praise God. He said, you got to be a preacher or a businesswoman. I said, I'm both. And so when we got to talking, the man gave me my order back. I said, well, sir, it was nice meeting you, but I have to go. I'm ministering tonight. He said, really? So I said, okay. He said, okay, well, here's my card. He was an attorney and a minister. I walked out the door, Cheryl, went to the car. And when I got ready to step in the car, the gentleman came out and said, ma'am, I'm not trying to hit on you or nothing. He said, but I heard the spirit of the Lord say that I've got to see the $1,000 into your ministry. Who should I make this check payable to? Cheryl, I almost lost my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, I told him, I said, sir, "Sir, don't play with me. And he started laughing. He said, I'm not playing. He said, who should I make the check payable to? And I said, make it payable to Rhonda A. White, and we both laughed. And he said, oh, by the way, you can take the check to the bank because it's good. So I hear that because my walk with the women began then. It was hallelujah. Oh, excuse me. It was hallelujah. It was a walk in faith, girl. Glory be to God. I had to believe God, even to the point of not going to Office Depot, something so yeah. simple. I tell, I tell women as I travel and minister to them, and I've been uh, ministering almost uh, 16, 17 years with speaking over 20 years, I said, if you don't know anything else I tell you, your most precious gift is your spiritual ear. That is your third mm-hmm. ear. That's the ear that mm-hmm. the word says, he who hath an ear. It didn't say ear. It's not talking about your physical two ears. It said, he who hath an ear, let them hear what the spirit is saying to the church, yeah. I said, well, if you don't do anything but but develop your spiritual ear, hear God and obey. And when I heard God say, do not go to Office Depot, which was cheaper, 
I obeyed mm-hmm. and got blessed. But I could, get, I could tell you so many stories. So the answer to your question of starting with the women, that was the year. That was 2003, I believe, or 2002. I went to Fort Wayne, had everything in storage, three and a half No, excuse me, four and a half years, Cheryl. I paid storage on all of my things in Atlanta in obedience to Almighty God. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Fort Wayne, he told me to do a monthly meeting for women called the Eagle Women. The newspaper, the media came out and covered it. People on the street would see me and say, I heard you guys have, I mean, tons of women there. There was no cross. He told me exactly what to do to empower the women to share their businesses, to encourage them to go in business, to allow them to share their passion, and to feed them at no cost. And we fellowship every month for two hours on the first Saturday here in in Fort Wayne. And I'm back in Fort Wayne, ironically. So we started with that, and then I started doing a women's revival uh, every year called the Citywide Interdenominational Women's Revival and Fellowship, where over 22 ladies preach, Cheryl, in a seven-day period. Girl, you talk about a time. (laughs) Wow. And then started pushing people, women, in ministry is that it all started from that dream three days in a row and me hearing the voice of God say, I know you left Atlanta. I know you don't want to go back to your hometown, but I have need of thee. So that's a long answer for your question. (laughs) But you know what? It was such a pertinent answer because I think that that is very crucial that when you have that functioning, when you hear that voice, that you, you're obedient to it because a lot of us uh, walk in fear, even though we know that the word tells us that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. We allow that fear to keep us from doing the things that God has told us to do. So that the people, yes. the women of God especially, needed to hear that, that it doesn't matter whether or not you have the resources, the finances, or whatever. If God mm-hmm. gave you the vision, he will make sure that you have the provision. So that, that, that's Absolutely. very key and integral, yeah, to what we're talking about here yeah. today. And, you know, I can remember speaking on a couple of your um, events that you've done that were either teleconference or uh, I, think they, I think they're all the teleconference. And those yeah. women, the women that were on those, uh, on those calls were phenomenal women. And I know many of them, it may have been their first time ever speaking, but God used yeah. you as a catalyst to allow them to uh, get to where he wanted them to go. Yes, and I and I, I just know that um, even in this time, Cheryl, you know, the enemy is attacking relationships. And when I tell you, sis, that there's three areas of anointing that I know that I was breathed and put and manifested from the invisible to the visible to, to release this uh, and, and to walk in these areas of anointing for God's glory, the number one is the area of wholeness. I I uh, scheduled and tr- scheduled, but but uh, planned a suicide three times, Cheryl, and never went through with it. Three times. Wow. And I'm telling you, and so I know that the area of wholeness is so needed in the body of Christ. And I was the daughter of a great bishop and pastor, one of the largest churches here in town. In fact, my father was the spiritual. My my father was my was my. And I'm sorry. I think that's an Amber Alert. Hold on a moment. Okay. Okay. My father was a spiritual father of my husband. How amazing is that? Years later, my dad is deceased, and I'm married to a gentleman that my dad was a spiritual father years ago, and he consecrated my father as a bishop. How amazing is that, that God would bring us back together? I'm telling you, but the areas of anointing is wholeness. 
if we're not whole, I tell this to women, you can't progress because you're needy. You have to ask God to restore your hope in him, fill up all of your holes, and make you whole. And until that mm-hmm. happens by Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and Isaiah 41, 9 and 10 delivered me from the spirit of suicide. Uh, and again, let me say those again. Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10 is the New Living Translation, and Isaiah 41, verses 9 and 10, where God had to help me to know, you don't need a man to feel complete. And I said, I will never leave you, and I won't throw you away. Even though I stayed a virgin at 27 and men came and went when I wouldn't give up the skin, Cheryl. I was a virgin at 27 when I got married the first time. And you've probably heard my testimony. And I got married and my husband was married to another woman the whole time we were married, bigamy. And so, but I almost lost my mind. That was when I wanted to leave here. And so, but I tell the women, if you're not whole, that kind of thing will take you out of here of embarrassment. And so into the other area of anointing is the area of relationship. I know that I was anointed by God to help people to value their friends, to to value their friends, to value their husband, their wife, their pastor, their coworkers, their boss, their sisters, their brothers, their mother, their father. Do not mistreat the people that God allowed to cross your path because that is a reflection and an image of God. That is an actual being of God. Mm-hmm. And then the third year of anointing that I know that I, is my call of, to speak on is the area of divine creativity and entrepreneurship because the body of Christ is not using Cheryl to the max what God has given them, and they're allowing themselves to let the breath of God go to waste. And that's why recently, uh, over the last couple of years, my latest mi- uh, mission statement, if you go to Rhonda Bolden, dot com, Rhonda Bolden dot com or Rhonda the Energizer, I N N E R Gizer dot com, you will see I, my goal is to help you begin to recognize, value and maximize the greatness within you. Because Cheryl, this is a major problem, sis, with single and married women that they do not recognize, which means to know, and we know all things, be still and know. And the woman with this, your blood, she said she never heard anybody get healed from a hymn, but she thought to herself, we got to think the right thought. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know. So I teach women, you got to recognize and know what's in you, why you were put here, and if you get that, the rest of it is easy to begin to value what you know. And then that last part is to maximize what you have learned to value and what you know. That's when you'll be successful. And it has nothing to do with a man or woman being in your life. Hallelujah. It means you being in your vertical relationship with God, knowing that he put it in you, you value what he breathed in you, and you know he doesn't want it to go to waste, and you're not going to let it go to waste. And then, boom, you make you some money on that, Cheryl. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I so love talking to you. My God, that is just amazing. So amazing. Listen, uh, why don't you, before we get done, let everybody know how they can reach out to you, find out what you are doing next so that we can make sure we keep in contact with you. Yes. Well, uh, you all, you can reach me at 1-888-435-5995. Again, 1-888-435-5995. And you can go to Rhonda Bolden. Dot com R H O N D A B O L D 
ideas and David E N. That's bold as a lion. Rhonda Bolden dot com to reach me. I am having maximized set or max sessions to help people be a max mate, and I'm also launching Cheryl. I'm so excited about it. My husband has given me the approval, and I love being under his leadership. He's a blessing. He'll tell me when to wait and when everything's okay. And usually he never says no, but I, I value his wisdom. But I've gotten the approval for him to launch what I'm very excited about that's going to be launching. If you all are interested in being a part of knowing about it, you can email me at PastorRondaBolden at AOL.com. But I'm launching uh, very soon the Divine Wife Institute. The Divine mm. Wife Institute, because, um, sis, we need to prepare women to be divine wives and not knives. Can you say hallelujah? (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. There is something else. Oh, my God, that is going to be great. It is going to be truly, truly awesome. Single and married women, women, both of them, everybody, because women can be better wives and not knives Mm -hmm. and cut their husbands. You know, sometimes we Absolutely. need to pray for him and listen, and sometimes they don't listen. But you don't need to cut him with your mouth, with your actions, with un- undermining things because you're cutting yourself. So we're teaching in the Divine Wife Institute to prepare single women to not be girlfriends. No, uh-uh, not to be shackers. Queens don't live in shacks. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. But we're preparing mm-hmm. them to be divine wives and not knives. And Proverbs 31 is one of the signature scriptures and foundation, and also uh, we'll be sharing some other scriptures. But that is what's about to come in addition to many other things, but that is one I'm very excited about. So if you all want to stay in touch with me of updates, you can get me on Facebook at Rhonda A. Bolden. Become my friend. And, again, go to RhondaBolden.com, and you'll see contact information there. And, Cheryl, again, Thank you, my sister, uh, for having me a part. I'm, I love being a contributor of the magazine to let the breath of God flow through me. And let me just say this to you, and I love my sister, Cece, but let me say this, and I have to say this publicly. Do you not know I wrote for almost um, seven years, Cheryl, for uh, approximately 10, almost 10 newspapers and magazines across the United States and not one of those publications uh, honored or wanted to value the God in me enough to feature me on the cover, even when God released through me four books and three CDs on the same day in 2007. Not one of those magazines and newspapers thought that that was news. And I just want to publicly thank you, Rich Queen, for honoring. you bringing tears to my eyes right now for honoring the God in me because you didn't just do it for me. You did it for the God in me. And when my sister Cece thought of me and shared it with you and you approved it, I thank God for that. So I just want you to know, seven long years of enjoying writing for almost ten publications, not one of them ever featured me, even when those four books and three CDs were released on the very same day. I want to say to you, thank you, and I pray Deuteronomy 111, a thousandfold return on everything that you're doing, and God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. And we definitely want to have you back once you launch your new project so that we can talk about it further. Okay. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Everybody, that was Pastor Rhonda Bolden, one of my sisters in the spirit who is doing amazing things. She is definitely one of those narrative changers that we always talk about here on Real Life, Real Faith. When we come back, we'll be speaking with Reverend Jeffrey Grant. 
Back in a moment on Real Life, Real Faith with Cheryl Lacey Donovan. This is the news. This morning, we are saluting the 2.2 million women who have joined in the war effort. They now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. The prestigious Harvard Medical School is breaking ground today, opening its doors to new female applicants. Today, little girls all over the world look to the sky, where the first woman is now in space. Military stereotypes are challenged today with the trailblazing promotion of a U.S. female officer to four-star general. It was just announced that the vast majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Hi, I'm Layla Ali. I might be undefeated in professional boxing, but there's one problem even I can't fight alone. Childhood hunger. Over 17 million kids in America may not know where their next meal is coming from. That's one in five children. Yet billions of pounds of surplus food produced right here in America just get thrown out every year. That's more than enough to feed every last hungry child. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids before it goes to waste. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank by going to feedingamerica.org. Together we can knock out hunger. Together we're Feeding America. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures, a stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college. This is beyond a simple donation. It's the opportunity for America to invest in its kids and take an active stake in the future of the country. The return on your investment isn't money. What you get back is knowing you protected our potential. So one day, that potential can grow up to become surgeons and architects, executives and engineers, people who can change the future just by being a part of it. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. A public service announcement brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Progressive Prison Ministries, Inc. is the first ministry in the United States created to provide confidential support and counseling to individuals, families, and organizations with white collar and other nonviolent incarceration issues. And tonight we are being joined by Minister and Director, Reverend Jeff Grant, who is the person that spearheads this entire project. Reverend Grant, thank you so much for joining us here tonight on Real Life, Real Faith. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You know, I have, um, I've been listening to your show for the last hour with Pastor Bolden, and i got to tell you, she's a tough act to follow. <laughs> yeah, I love her. That She is one of my sisters in the spirit, and she is an amazing woman of God. 
And listen, I want you to be able to tell everybody about what you all are doing with your project because you definitely are changing the narrative. You're transforming people's lives. Yeah, thank you. Um, we started this project um, mostly because I went to uh, federal prison for a white-collar crime in 2006 and seven, And during that experience, I had um, some kind of a transformation experience, uh, definitely faithful, but definitely I wanted to uh, turn to service and help other people who were going through the issues that I was going through and my family was going through. So when I got back from prison, I started to volunteer in various reentry and substance abuse counseling and things like that. Um, uh, most notably in Bridgeport with an organization called Family Reentry, which is a nonprofit that serves the families of uh, formerly incarcerated people. And while I was doing that, uh, I got the call to ministry. Um, and uh, my faith journey took me to go to Union Theological Seminary in the city of New York, up in um, by Columbia University. And I attended that for three years. And at the end of that, I uh, received a Master of Divinity degree with a focus in Christian social ethics. My first uh, placement was at the First Baptist Church in Bridgeport, where I became associate minister and director of prison ministries and did most of my work in prison ministry in the inner city. They're working um, uh, mostly with um, issues of poverty and race and things like that. And um, uh, students started to understand that um, there were uh, people, you know, people are people and there are all kinds of people who are suffering from these issues. So my true, uh, you know, passion for helping families start to intersect with uh, people who are having white collar and nonviolent issues. And we started this project, the uh, Progressive Prison Project and Innocent Spouse and Children Project. And since then, it's just taken off a lot of press and a lot of speaking engagements and uh, guest sermons and ministering all over the place. So I, I would guess that um, those that are trying to re-enter society after having been in prison have a lot of things that they have to deal with, and, and sometimes society is not as forgiving as our God is. So what are some of the services that, that you offer to those individuals that are trying to reenter into society? And can you elaborate a little bit on some of the issues that they face when they're trying to get reacclimated, not only with society, but even with their families, depending on how long they've been gone? Sure. Um, typically, we're contacted before people go to prison. You know, usually what happens is they're uh, they find out that they're a target of investigation or they're indicted or, or, or perhaps in the case of someone who's in finance, they, um, they have a civil matter going on with the SEC or something like that, and they're looking for answers or they're, looking, they're, they're scared. They don't know where to, what to do and where to turn to. Uh, they're afraid of you know, the various resources that they might see on the Internet. Um, you know, they reach out to their lawyers, and um, they, they come upon us because uh, we've been so prolific in putting out our blog at prisonist.org and a lot of articles and things. And they come to us, um, I would say primarily because they've been living in isolation ever since these problems started. And um, even, even they and their families aren't necessarily communicating fully about what's going on. I mean, the families have their own issues, and we could certainly talk about that. So they reach out to us. And a lot of those uh, uh, calls or uh, texts or emails we get 
are in the middle of the night when people are um, you know, staring at the ceiling and, and most frightened and they're um, probably surfing the internet trying to figure out what, what, what to do and they come upon us and it becomes clear to them that because we're clergy, our communications are um, completely confidential, which is uh, you know, not true of um, other people that they might speak to, including other people who are the defendants in these cases. And um, they reach out to us and sometimes that can be three years before they go to prison. Sometimes it's five days before they go to prison, depending upon um, where they find us and what their needs are. And not only do we present them with a, a spiritual approach to where they are and where they're going and out the other side when they come home from prison, uh, but that's a, you know, a, a faithful approach and a uh, joyful approach to embrace where they are, even though it's difficult and kind of, let the old material ways go, which led them down the wrong path. And um, to a person, everyone we've ever dealt with, whether it be a, um, an individual who is heading to or coming home from prison or um, any of their family members, they're all going through this um, uh, significant uh, transformation in their lives. They just might not know it. And um, once we point it out to them and they embrace it, they're able to um, get through it much more successfully um, by adopting a spiritual way than people who don't adopt a spiritual way. And I think that our experience with hundreds of people at this point have proven that, uh, you know, a spiritual solution to their material problems is better. So now just for the, for the sake of our listeners, can you elaborate a little bit on what a white collar crime actually is? Yeah, I think that's a great question. The, um, White-collar crime is typically a financial crime. It's really a crime where there's a breach of trust and where people have put trust in them, and somehow that, um, that trust has been eroded. I mean, typically you'd find that in um, the world of finance or um, um, and, uh, areas like that. But, but there are other types of white-collar crimes. It certainly happens to lawyers. I was a lawyer, and, uh, you know, and I committed a white-collar crime. There are doctors who who uh, write prescriptions for um, uh, narcotics and they get caught writing the wrong prescriptions. We've had uh, um, nurses, for example, who uh, uh, because they had a uh, uh, chemical dependency, they've um, raided the hospital pharmacy. And so they kind of come out in other ways. But um, I think that what's most notable for us is that we really treat the concept of a white collar crime fluidly. Um, it's really more about the person and their disenfranchisement from the, um, the community that they were in. So even someone who has gotten, say, their third DUI or DWI, whatever it's called in your area of the country, the, that's a felony. And if they're convicted of a felony, if they have a license, for example, in the financial world, they can't go back to their, um, their old job. So, it's really the relationship of the disenfranchisement from that community they were in that, that we treat as, as being a, a white-collar family. And it's opened us up to all kinds of uh, interesting combinations and permutations, people and families. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's been a blessing to really be able to work with them. 
Wow. So now we talked a little bit a few moments ago about the family and some of the things that they experience, and I know that there's a part of what you do that deals with the innocent spouse and the children. So what is that about? What what types of things do they have to deal with when, um, particularly as it relates to white collar crime? Yeah, well, my my wife Lynn Springer primarily works with the uh, with the women and the families, and we do, we do that. You know, we believe in men with the men, women with the women, because that way we avoid transference issues. And and um, obviously, the the women are they're they're typically the spouses of you know powerful men or um, you know men who um, um, are are used to a life in a very specific way. And so uh, we just find that the best thing that happens is if uh, um, Lynn works with the women. And these families have crushing stories. I have to tell you that it's, it's not something that people really recognize when they read about in the paper because sometimes the uh, father-husband goes to prison and he leaves the family penniless, either because there's restitution or there's a, been an asset freeze or because he's not – he hasn't been in his, in his career for quite a while during the run-up to this problem. Families that have not had uh, not enough food, so they have to go on food stamps or SNAP. They don't have heat to heat their homes, so they're on Operation Fuel. They're on, um, they're on subsidized um, health care. Um, their kids are um, shunned in school, and the other parents won't allow their children to play with these families' children. Um, the uh, um, uh, civic associations and churches and synagogues sometimes turn their back on these families because they're afraid that association with these families might affect their donor base. So it's a strange world where um, these uh, families were kind of riding high and people, you know, had a certain, held them in a certain place. Either they held them with respect or contempt or however they happened to behold them, depending on who you are. But it's a strange thing with our society that, um, as a society, we love to see the mighty fall. And the schadenfreude of, of that, the, you know, the um, taking joy in someone else's uh, um, uh, bad fortune um, or someone else's pain is kind of riddled all over the sensationalized headlines in the paper and things you see about on, on CNBC all the time. I could tell you that there was one woman who's um, in a, uh, a state in the South who um, you wouldn't really think there would be white-collar crime, but there's white-collar crime everywhere. And by the way, um, in the last year, we've, uh, we've had um, people we've ministered to in 22 different states around the country. And this woman, for a year, had cameras and reporters camped out on her front lawn, recording their every move. Now, that may not be something that, you know, people in major cities are, you know, really used to. And also, we've become kind of anesthetized to it in the New York area where, uh, you know, where we read about, you know, fraud and white-collar crime every day. But in this small town down in, in the south, it was devastating for this family. And uh, um, I, I think that they've recovered somewhat, but wow. 
Well, you know, one of the things I've had opportunities to work with uh, with prison ministry and uh, with with people that deal with recidivism and things like that. And my experience has been in the past that we spend a lot of money on incarceration, but very little money on um, prevention. Very little money in areas that could actually help a lot of these prisoners matriculate back into to into their communities, you know, things like mental health, substance abuse, and things like that. And I know that that's something that you um, talk about frequently. As a matter of fact, I think uh, last month it was that you may have even uh, written something or participated in something in the state of Connecticut, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about that. That's, like, that, that's a great topic. I mean, I, we're – um, Lynn and I and some of the organizations we're involved in are, are real advocates for, you know, this kind of culture shift where we're really looking to, one, prevent the problems, uh, you know, um, in the communities and, and from the outset, and two, if, in fact, the problem happened to a city, uh, to, a, uh, to a family, how do we best uh, reintegrate them into the world and how we provide um, social services and wrap out, wraparound services from nonprofits? I can tell you that the national debate now has finally opened up so that issues of mass incarceration and gun control and all the uh, issues that kind of wrap around that um, are finally being talked about in a big way. But I can tell when we started, you know, we were, we were, you know, we were in the dark. There's nobody who was willing to talk about it. There was nobody willing who to was even recognize that we had a mass incarceration problem, but People have come along, um, you know, we're, we're happy to say that we're some of them, but certainly there are people who are, um, are big names like, uh, you know, Michelle Alexander and her book, um, The New Jim Crow and Brian Stevenson mm-hmm. and Glenn Martin at Just Leadership USA and people who are really banging the drum for the kind of uh, culture shift, social change that we need. And mm-hmm. I think that every state in the country now has recognized um, the issue, and the federal government has recognized the issue, and they all have, um, you know, uh, policies that address it. But some states are doing better jobs than others, and some you've got to kind of look at the devils in the details. It's unfortunate that, you know, in Connecticut, where we're located um, and where our headquarters are, again, although we, you know, we work in virtually every state in the country, you know, Connecticut is in the middle of a budget crisis. One place that budget crisis is, um, is hurting because they decided to cut out a lot of the money for reentry services um, throughout the state. And mm-hmm. I'm concerned that without those reentry services, what's going to happen is that the, um, the, um, the um, people who, who were let out of prison and they've come to expect and they need those services, they're not going to get them. And so what we've really done is we've gone backwards in, in terms of the, um, of the circle of criminal justice and where for the last two or three years prison populations have lowered that we think we can certainly look if this situation uh, um, remains the way it is and the legislature doesn't change it, that um, we can most certainly look at um, prison populations um, rising again and um, crime rising again and, uh, and um, all kinds of public safety issues that we, we would have hoped were uh, put to bed forever. Wow. 
so when when we're talking to um, these families and we're trying to get um, people back into community, what is the job outlook for them, especially if they have been convicted of a felony? Is are are people now? Um, one of the reasons I speak to that is just uh, yesterday, I believe it was here in Houston, they had something called a second chance job fair, which is something that I really have not seen much of in a very long time. And it, it speaks to what you were saying a few moments ago that now people are really beginning to dialogue about it. And like we like to say here, they're, they're changing the narrative in that area because it's just crazy to me to, to just let these people out and then really not, like you say, have wraparound services or things that they can utilize in order to help them to be more productive. So what is the job outlook for them, and how do you go about assisting them in, in that area in particular? It's, it's probably the thing that people coming out of prison are most worried about and also the thing that's the, the toughest because for a, um, a, a regular person who's been in prison, a person who's been in prison for a, uh, either a violent crime or a non-white-collar crime, um, prospects are already bad. And there, there is some enlightenment out there. There's no question that there are some um, service organizations and their second chance um, fairs, for example, as the one you had in Houston. There's certainly uh, that going on in Connecticut and New York. Um, but the uh, percentage of companies that are actually willing to participate um, as opposed to the you know, percentage of companies that are not are, are very small. There's certainly not enough to accommodate every com- everybody coming out of prison. And, you know, there are some solutions that, that have been floated around the country. I mean, just today I read an article about um, – uh, government or tax subsidies for hiring uh, um, um, people who come out of prison. And, and I, I think that's a, a great approach. I mean, why not? I mean, if you have someone who's uh, talented and hardworking and potentially even on probation or parole, so they're, they're being watched by someone to make sure that they're, they're not going to go too far astray, they'd probably make great employees and, if the government were willing to subsidize uh, that to, you know, some number that's significant that the employer would look at, I think that's a, a fantastic idea. I think that mm-hmm. white collar um, felons who come out of jail face a specific issue because, you know, the world that they were formerly in is usually not open to them anymore. And, and so in terms of, you know, um, their acceptance of a new life and a new strata in life, they may never have that kind of money again. They may never be able to look at the world that way. You know, I, you know, I, say, to, I say to the guys, I say, you know, um, if I told you that there were two different lives you were going to live, you know, one as a hedge fund manager and the other as a blue-collar worker, um, you know, you wouldn't particularly mind. They only care about the order. You know, mm-hmm. at first they were their hedge fund manager, and then they're the blue collar worker. You know, blue collar mm-hmm. workers who become hedge fund managers have no problem. So, you know, it's a mindset that they have to understand that they're truly living two separate lives. And the more that they can accept and adapt 
to what the new order and what their second life is, the happier they're going to be. And if they're going to think about it as a, as a, you know, success, you know, based on money as monetary reward, uh, you know, perhaps they're never going to be happy. Wow. So this has been an awesome conversation. I mean, I think that what you all are doing is very much needed. I think that the advocacy is something that we need to see more of, especially as it relates to those nonviolent and white-collar crimes. I think that, you know, prison overcrowding and, and it's, it's like herding a bunch of cattle into this, you know, into the prison system, and it really has not benefited anyone to do so. Um, you know, you have a, a prison industrial complex now is basically what you've created, and it's, it's really crazy to see. But what I would like to do now is to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know how they can contact you, how they can support you, or how they can even become advocates themselves in their own states and cities. I, I see. Thank you, Cheryl. That's great. Um, our website is prisonist.org. That's P-R-I-S-O-N-I-S-T.org, prisonist like feminist. And I can be reached at jgrant at prisonist.org. Our phone number is 203-769-1096. And we operate by donations only. So, and so we don't charge um, fees to anybody we work with. So it's really amazing that even though people think of these people as, you know, they're, they're white-collar people and perhaps they can afford to, uh, to pay, um, in most instances, that's not true. And so we don't deny um, ministerial services or any support or, you know, or, or steps to get there and back to anybody, um, you know, to anybody um, if they, um, if, uh, whether or not they can afford it. I think it's important that that's uh, understood. And we do operate by donations, the, um, usually from individuals, family foundations and their religious organizations, but they've been very kind to us. Okay. And, and do you ever go out and train um, other organizations to do what you do? Um, n- not so much. We do, uh, we do have people who work with us who are other professionals, okay. lawyers, accountants. But I would say that um, what we don't do is, for example, go into churches and train them to do what I do. But we do um, speak in churches a lot or in other uh, organizations, and we do run workshops. But those workshops aren't to train them for what we do. It's more about what life lessons that we've learned and that they can learn from the hardships that we've uh, all go through together because we're all bounded by our brokenness. And so basically everything I learned um, in life, uh, I learned in prison. And um, it's, a, it's a fascinating um, conversation and people just take to it. And, uh, you know, again, we're blessed to be able to do it. Wow. Well, Reverend Jeffrey Grant, thank you and your wife, Lynn, so much for what you do for um, with Prisonist.org. I think it's an awesome organization, and you are transforming lives with what you're doing. So God bless you for what you do. Cheryl, thank you, and God bless you and, um, and your show. It's, uh, I've listened to it several times. It's just really wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Everybody, that was Reverend Jeffrey Grant. Please go out to prisonist.org. That's P-R-I-S-O-N-I-S-T.org. Look them up. Look at what they're doing and make sure to make a donation to help them to further their cause with helping these people matriculate back into society, giving them the counseling services they need, and assisting their families. 
Well, that's a wrap for us on tonight. We thank you so much for joining us here on Real Life Real Faith with Cheryl Lacey Donovan. We want to remind you that you can connect with us on Facebook at Real Life Real Faith with Cheryl Lacey Donovan. We're also on Twitter at Real Faith Mag, Real Faith Mag as in magazine. Instagram, it's Real Life Real Faith. And you can also go to our website, realliferealfaithmedia.com. As always, we'd like to remind you that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in you. And don't forget, this October, I'm sorry, this November, November the 5th, the very first Real Life, Real Faith, Changing the Narrative Awards right here in Houston, Texas. To find out more, visit awards.realliferealfaithmedia.com. Be blessed.